Welcome to Highly Volatile, an unfiltered podcast for real-life professional traders, investors, and top executives. To be the best, you need your thoughts and perspectives challenged by the best. This podcast series features some of the most thought-provoking and disruptive minds in both business and investing. My name is Kevin Van Trump, and I'm joined each podcast by my good friend, legendary trader and angel investor, Andy Daniels. Together, we attempt to challenge the conventional and gain a better understanding of the disruptor. We search high and low for wealth hacks and exciting new investment opportunities. But at the same time, try to uncover hidden pitfalls or unforeseen changes coming our direction that might rock our worlds. We hope you're challenged by our unfiltered thoughts and conversations and enjoy our highly volatile podcast. And please remember, there's risk in trading futures and options. You should carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for you in light of your circumstances and financial resources, foundations for you to buy or sell any commodity, any stock or any type of other investment. So make sure you use the podcast as an educational tool to broaden your horizons and maybe add a bit more perspective. Hey, this is Kevin Van Trump uh, with my good friend Andy Daniels. We're doing another podcast, uh, highly volatile podcast. Andy and I got a couple of friends on, and uh, we're excited to talk about the market, see some things we're interested in, some maybe some investments we're making, and uh, you know, try and maybe forecast a little bit about uh, how we see things playing out. So, Andy, go ahead and introduce uh, the guys, and we'll take it from there. Okay, great. Well, we're we're excited to have a couple of new voices on our uh, podcast today. Um, first up on the list would be uh, Mark Bishop. Mark, uh, Mark's been in the grain business uh, just a little bit longer than I have. Um, he uh, he hails from Cargill, where he spent five years uh, at the beginning of his career, and moved over to the cash brokerage side with McDonald Pels for several years. And then uh, back in 1994, he started his own uh, brokerage operation where they broker all the cash markets and uh, a lot of things uh, that, that we probably don't trade uh, as frequently as you do today. Um, Mark's been around the industry for about 41 years, and uh, he just absolutely loves getting up every morning and, and getting in front of the screen and is as busy and sharp as anyone I've uh, known in the industry. So, Mark, welcome. Thank you, Andy. And uh, also on the call today, we have Bob Steele. And, uh I think you might even have to go back to the book Merchants of Grain uh, in order to find reference to Bob starting in the beginning of his career. Uh, but, Bob, you've been with every grain company I'm aware of in the world, from uh, uh, Dreyfus to uh, uh, Bungie to Ferruzzi to uh, every brokerage firm uh, known to mankind. And, um, you know, Bob comes from a very uh, uh, steeped in a lot of background and uh, traded uh, – um, flakes, corn, and you name it, Bob's traded it over the years, and uh, Bob's been a dear friend for a long, long time, and uh, Bob, welcome. I'm glad to have you on board. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Um, so, now that we have uh, probably the most um, <clears throat> years of experience ever in the ag business on one call together, I thought... Uh, we might kick it off and, and kind of just take a look at the report that just came out uh, on Thursday. Um, you know, I think there's a, there's a little bit of surprise in the corn market or the bean market. So why don't we start there? 
Um, Kevin, what did you see in the report that uh, you draw your eyes to? <laughs> well, I mean, I think you got to, you know, the USDA obviously making some adjustments to last year's crop. I think, you know, obviously in the bean market, I think it threw everyone for a little loop. Corn was ex- and as anticipated, I, I feel like. I think feed and residual is always a huge wild card. Who the hell knows, you know, how, how it's going to play out. I think there was even more uncertainties because of the uh, logistical complications with COVID and some of the other things. So, you know, I, you know, I, Andy, you and I, you and I talked before the report, I know you were kind of geared up a little, you're a little bit bullish corn and I, I have been on the sideline for a while. I was looking to maybe buy a bigger break. I don't know if we've gotten there yet, but um, you know, as far as the report goes, I didn't, I wasn't super, super surprised or shocked by, by the USDA. Like I said, hell, it's, it seems to be a wild card day anymore as of late so uh, nothing major on that front uh i'm you know like i said i'm more worried about the headlines moving forward and where we're going to get the headlines uh with china being a little bit iffy here so i'm I'm definitely interested here with bob and uh mark and yourself have to say on some of the the exact fundamental numbers so i'll pass the ball well bob this is probably not your first uh crop report but so why don't you give us your thoughts on uh what you see in the numbers and how they break down. Well, you know, um, the USDA is known for not really knowing what their own numbers are from time to time, and I don't think they hit the, I hit the head on the nail on the head here on this one that they don't know what the hell they're doing sometimes. That 80 million additional bushels of last year's carry-in is the, you know, it's a major kind of thing for us. Obviously, the market's down, what now, 45 cents or something. Um, so it, the, the numbers speak for themselves, that additional 80, 90 million, and some people now are calling to carry out 300 million instead of, you know, 160 or something. Uh, that high, I, I've heard those kind of numbers already. And obviously, that's an important, those are important numbers to listen to. And if those are the numbers we're really working with, um, then this market probably is headed a little bit lower, would be my opinion particularly with what uh, Kevin just said about we don't know what China's really up to. Um, the, although, you know, here we we're, we'll, we should see something happen here soon, uh, the market down 45 cents, if they really have some demand issues, we, we might just see them step back in the market. So it'd be interesting to see if we get some sales next week. Um, but I, I, I was a surprise to everybody, I think, that the government would do that. I think they did it back in 2008 or something also where they changed the last year's uh, carry-in quite a bit. So I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised the market's down. If we get confirmation with no business from China and we get a little bit um, bigger results from some of the stuff that's going on right now, harvesting, I mean, uh, maybe we'll see this market a little lower. Well, Mark, you you tend to be a a trend follower in a lot of ways, um, but you know when you look at all the anecdotal yield evidence coming out, uh, how do you see the soy market right now? And do you think we're getting bigger or smaller overall? Well, um, first of all, I wasn't at all surprised by the bean number because every day, pretty much in August and SEP and coming through, you'd see the the processor basis and you'd look at the list of it and almost everyone went down and they were going down in, you know, double digits every now and then. And the market just felt like there was more beans around. I, I, I agree with everybody that the USDA is usually not, 
um, very accurate. But I feel, in my mind, like they might have got the bean report actually right. Um, the market felt heavy beans. I was actually surprised the corn number went up. Um, as a cash broker that buys grain for ingredient up there by Chicago, I couldn't find any corn. I mean, we couldn't get trucks. We couldn't get rail, the rail that we were getting. They were cleaning out bin bottoms. They were, you know, cleaning out pits. The, the quality was getting rejected. It didn't feel like the, I think the corn felt tighter than what the USDA said. The beans didn't. They felt, you know, um, they felt loose. I mean, that, I wasn't surprised by the bean number just from the feel of the cash market. Um, as far as the yield reports coming in, you don't see very many where people say on beans they're disappointed. Um, I'm, I'm probably higher than most anybody on the street. On, and it's just a guess. I read a lot. I don't, you know, I don't travel the Midwest or anything. I talk to a lot of people. I wouldn't be surprised by a yield of, say, 52 um, on the beans. Um, corn, it's very hard to read. You know, you see these guys are disappointed. You see these guys are talking about how pleasantly surprised they are. You know, I don't know. I was leaning a little lower than the government number. Um, right now, the 176.3, I think it is. Yeah, I could believe that. Maybe a little lower. Uh, but these bean yields coming in, they're looking, they're looking real good. Um, obviously, um, you can't really take these yields coming in from the field. And I know people try to correlate them with previous years and everything. I'm just seeing a lot of people saying they're pleasantly surprised. And I'm seeing a lot of people saying best ever. So I think the beans are there. I'm bearish beans. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that too. I mean, hell, we got to go back to sixteen, seventeen before we saw a, a bigger bean yield at one fifty-one point nine. But um, yeah, I, this kind of feels to me like it could actually be bigger. And you know, then you add into that the uh, you know the unknown of China, the energy issues we have going on all around the world, and, and cutting back on, on uh, processing uh, capacities and. You know what? What uh, that's on the minus side. On the plus side, uh, you know, if they can't dry their grain down, then you could have a bunch of losses there. So I mean, it, it's there's so much up in the air in terms of the demand picture going forward. But you know, rest assured, Brazil's got a big crop, assuming they can uh, get all their fertilizer and input needs in place in time at a cost they can afford. Um, but I agree with you, Mark. I, I do think the crop in beans feels bigger, and that's just kind of a you know, a touchy-feely kind of a perspective, but it feels bigger to me. And, um, you know, if we have any any abatement in, in this whole, you know, bull full steam ahead demand scenario, I, I guess I could see the bean market, uh, you know, having trouble rallying from here. But we don't really have any harvest data as it relates to this report. So I think we'll have to see going forward that this anecdotal uh, – uh, perspective that we're, we're, we're feeling uh, turns into reality. Um, Corn-wise, it, it feels a little bit just the opposite. I mean, you know, coming in, we had some of the lowest um, crop condition numbers, uh, percentages, and, you know, I just think that, that crop, the crop just feels like, you know, with black tar and other kinds of diseases that have been affecting it, we could, you know, actually see the corn yield suffer a bit from here. Um, you know, ending stocks, uh, you know, it, it kind of showed that we've seen smaller, um, uh, you know, demand last quarter. And, uh, 
you know, again, it all, a lot of it comes down to China and, you know, will they be bigger importers with their hog numbers going down and the energy problems they're having, uh, more finished goods, you know, they're in a, they're in a pickle over there. But, uh, to me, I think overall the corn market, uh, I guess I'd rather own that on any break from here. Uh, and I am long some going in uh, as we talk today. Um, whereas in the bean market, I, uh, my hands are off, and I kind of want to just see it play out. But uh, unless we see this demand curve pick up, um, I'll be watching yields very closely between now and November. Yeah. We've already – the bean market has already taken a pretty good dump, but um, it just still feels lethargic out there to me. Yeah, we're down from 1640 in our June highs, uh, and, you know – and uh, beans, corn's down a little over a buck, and beans down a little over two bucks. But um, I think it could, uh, there could be more downside here. Um, these aren't <laughs> insignificant prices in the history of things. But maybe in the new inflation, transitionary inflation, should I say, uh, world we live in today, uh, who knows what's next. Kevin, when you yeah. look at all the uh, uh, when you look at all the various scenarios out there. Um, how do you see the Chinese demand story playing out with, with their energy prices and all the transportation prices? Well, before we get into that, uh, Mark, why don't you touch base for a minute, if you would, on the, uh, the whole transportation, what you're seeing there in this, in this country, barge freight and rail freight, and, you know, how, how do, how's that all playing out? Kind of give us a little bird's eye view, if you would, what's, what you've seen going on the last year. Oh, the, the currently this barge freight situation um, is forcing beans to back up. Um, down there in the southern harvest, we were at a thousand percent for Greenville, and uh, down there, and beans were people were selling corn into the domestic market and having to stuff beans in all the nooks and crannies because they couldn't get freight to begin with. And now you got to trade in a thousand percent all the way up all the way up to Cairo, and uh, that's just you know with every Every little nook and cranny of space was empty coming in, and now you're forcing this huge amount of carry. I think some beans are going to crowd some corn out of space um, because as they come off, nobody wants to load it. You know, I think Illinois River freight's like 800%, and then by the time you get to December, it's down to 425. I mean, that's, you know, 400% is about 60 cents, you know, right there in carry. Um, So everybody's going to put stuff away. Beans, if they come off first, they may find some space. Um, when you know we weren't planning on putting beans really as much in space, we were going to plan. We were going to move more beans at harvest, and you know people were planning on putting the corn away. Um, the carry market, like you look at the Novjan beans, are already a dime, and that's real wide. I mean, everybody says a dime, um, but you know we're at eight cents a month now storage, and the way it's going, um, we may actually go wider than 10 here. Um, it's just uh, the freight situation is forcing everything back. You can't get trucks um, to truck to truck anything. To get trucks to go anywhere is just killing you. Um, so the transportation sector, uh, as you say, is a mess. Um, the, there's a lot of, there's a big sucking sound coming out of Canada. A lot of, uh, a lot of trains moving up there now. Um, they're reaching all the way into Wisconsin and different places where we don't usually see CN and CB are both working up there. And, uh, um, it, 
the performance on those lines is really bad. Um, I know that uh, we've been taking CN corn into into the plant that I buy for up there, and uh, it's just been a disaster. The logistics are terrible. Um, so, in addition to the the corn's drying down really fast, coming out of the field real dry, beans are real dry. Um, the weather's perfect. We got this big push, and then there's no way to move the stuff. So uh, I just think it's backing a bunch of stuff up, and it's getting put away um, wherever it can be right at the moment. What's going to break this yeah. free? What's going to you know turn this freight market around and uh, get us back to a more normal uh, pattern? Is it did did Ida you know take a lot of things and, and screw up logistics in the Gulf to the point where we're you know still having to get things to turn around and heading back north or, or what? Yeah, a lot of that is is now that the elevators are up and running, we'll be turning barges back up, um, heading north, and that will help. Um, and you know the the water's been um, a little low, but I think there's a, some rain around, and I, I think we're going to be we're going to probably well, if you look at it, you're at 800 percent on the Illinois River right now, and it's and the curve is moving up all the way, you know, through October. But first half Nova, last half Nova and D's haven't budged at all. So the market, I think, is anticipating um, the situation getting a little more back to normal as we get into November. Good point. Good point. It may, it may take a while. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Bob, uh, on the, on the uh, ocean side, you know, I think something I read recently, and Kevin might have been in your report, uh, was talking about uh, how we're, we're still uh, disassembling more uh, ocean-going vessels than we're assembling. And uh, so, you know, this transportation problem and, and these huge, you know, ocean freight spreads between uh, Gulf and, and South America, and, I mean, they're just astronomical. And uh, so we can look at futures all day long, but when you're looking at, you know, CNF prices, uh, it, it's even more dramatic than it would otherwise you, you have any perspective or thoughts on that, Bob? Well, I I guess the only thing I can say is I think this is all caused, you know, by the the, the whole <coughs> energy energy situation all around, and and you know, their people are still trying to regain their inventories from when they let them down in COVID, and so we just have this surge in demand all all over the world. I mean, it's not just here, you know, like Mark was just talking about the barge rate, but it's every place, um, and while I'm surprised at how much these markets have moved and how these freight spreads have moved and so on, I, I mean, I understand it. I don't believe it's going to last forever. Um, but you're right, those, the CNF prices are, are huge. Um, and I'm just hoping we can, you know, get back to normalcy here sometime in the, in the near future, although uh, with the current policy on U.S., um, uh, consumption of fossil fuels, I, I don't see that uh, that's going to change real quickly. Uh, Mark, um, when you, 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 you're a, a pretty avid and, uh, and, and proficient uh, uh, spread trader. How do you see this whole freight situation, and what implications do you see that for, seeing that for corn and bean spreads, uh, you know, as we move out forward? What do you kind of like in that regard? Um, like I mentioned on the beans, um, they're already 10 cents 
Nov Dijan. Um, I think so many people think that's so wide because over the years we were at, um, you know, that was pretty much full storage. But now we're at eight cents a month. And, and the funny thing was we worked so hard for so many years to get the storage widened out. And then we finally did. Then we had a short crop and we didn't need it. Um, kind of like it, things go in life that way. But now um, I think they're backing up. Um, the demand, like you say, um, has not been all that robust. Um, like it's, we're running to China before, behind where we were last year. So I think the bean spreads have some room to widen. Now, corn, on the other hand, it does feel tight. The December market is slightly above delivery. Like I say, the bar trade in December hasn't moved up yet. Um, but it's a little more dicey there. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do with corn spreads right here. Um, I think that once we get things kind of through this harvest that's going real quick, we're going to find that we did have a lot of empty space, and it's going to get put away, and the farmers don't need the money. And then I think you just have to keep your eye on the North Star. And the North Star for me is delivery value. Um, December right now is slightly above. March is above. May is above. All last year was like that in corn. And it may be that way today, this year, too, if, um, if the demand comes. Um, China, you know, again, being a big wild card there. Um, and so as far as the corn spreads go, they kind of would just sleep around and they wouldn't do anything until you got right close to delivery, and then you, then you could take a look at delivery and kind of have a good idea which way to trade them. Um, beans, kind of the same thing. Watch the delivery. Um, but like I say, they just, uh, the beans just don't have the type feel that they had before to me. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So from well, that yeah, perspective. And as you were, we were talking offline, uh, Mark, you were, lamenting about how, you know, in years gone by, back in the good old days, as we refer to them, you know, you could do a lot of spreading in corn, beans, wheat, anything, you know, going out, you know, a year or two years. But any more delivery months, then you're you're really off the stand. Yeah, without the pitch, you don't have those, you can't do the green years and things like that. Right. Yeah. I, I guess for um, myself, I wouldn't be bear spreading corn. I, I'm looking for a place to have some indication, long-term cash, like Mark just talked about, to get me the bull spread. It, however, I haven't done it yet, but I'm still, uh, I'm still on the side that corn is a better bull spread than it is a bear spread, and I'd rather focus on that because I think that can give us a little bit better opportunity than, than the beans, unless the beans really kind of go to full carry, not full carry, but somewhere further wider than they are today. But for instance, I mean, corn, March, these March corn at eight cents, you know, um, I don't know if that's a good buy right here, but I think somewhere, you know, 10 or 11 is certainly something I'd want to put my foot in. Good point. You know, yeah, I, 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 I agree year. with that. I think if it gets to that kind of levels, we want what we want as a potential corn bowl spreader is for this pressure to push the spreads out a little wider, just sit back, stay out of the way, and let them widen, and then pick your spot. Yeah, and maybe if Mark, you're right that they're going to move some of the corn, keep some of the beans, and you know, replace their corn storage space with a few beans because the beans are coming at them, then maybe we'll have a chance to get that spread out a little bit wider. 
Yeah, hopefully. Uh, Kevin, you, we've been kind of neglecting you uh, in the last few minutes of the conversation. I know you really follow closely China and, and all the uh, activities over there, and I know it's a, a big black hole question mark, and there are all sorts of conspiracy theories running rampant and everything else. But, you know, where do you see that whole – and that's a big question, I understand. But, I mean, first of all, from an energy perspective, how do you see the impact of, of uh, uh, grain demand? Um, and then, you know, how do you see that affecting the rest of the economy from micro, you know, from chips to, to uh, all the uh, goods that are waiting to be loaded and uh, get, get, get around the world to uh, stop some of these uh, tight supply situations? Yeah, I, you know, I bought beans and corn on the break I've, I've been patient i mean how i've got in and out a few different times in the last what four or five months buying buying the bigger breaks and beans and corn and sell it kind of on the rallies and so i waited here until we finally made that run back down i think we got sub 1250 in that 1245 1248 range I bought a few beans and i bought some corn uh as we closed out when we got down oh shit back sub uh right around that four, uh, 530 area. But, I, you know, I, I'm listening to you guys on the bean story. I don't know. I mean, guys have seen some beans. we got some beans in some areas that are just super dry, and they got zero water in them at all, zero water content. So and their beans are going to be off pretty good. Um, and most of my producers and my friends, we're all talking the same thing. So you got low moisture content. In some of these places, the beans are shriveled down. I mean, they shrunk down to, you know, you're, you're nothing. So I, I don't know. I, I've heard Mock and some of the other guys talk, you know, and they're all got higher yields out there on the beans. But it seems to me like most people are somewhere in that 49.5 to 51.5, 52, I guess, uh, like Mark's saying. But I don't really think that's probably – it doesn't feel like the story. I mean, I think the funds have liquidated down enough now the reason I bought, because I'm with you guys, I, I mean, fundamentally, I don't, I mean, if you look at traditional balance sheet, I'm not super bullish, but the headlines have forced the funds to liquidate pretty substantially, and I just feel like if we get a major story uh, on this inflationary front, or we catch some more tailwinds behind the inflation story, and with shipping and a lot of things out of position. I think beans are what they'll go for. I mean, I think you could see a bullish headline on beans more so than you could see a bullish headline on corn nearby is all I'm, my thoughts are. I, and I understand you guys may be spread the opposite way, but I'm just saying that uh, I, I think China, we get down here low enough, I think you could see them come in and make a fairly substantial purchase, at least on the books uh, from a headline perspective. You've got the funds who are already wanting to reallocate more money. It feels like in the last couple, just the last week or two now, not any time before that, but this inflation story is starting to gain a lot more traction. You get crude up here, or gold, oh, yeah. we get crude up 90 bucks to 100 bucks. I mean, these some bitches are going to look to allocate more and more money over to that inflationary story, and they'll spread it across the board. You guys know this shit. They'll be in everything from natural gas to copper to, to crude, to, and then they'll throw some money over on the ag sector. And I I suspect when they're fairly flat beans and they're beating the shit out of beans, beans will look like a lot better attractive story than wheat. 
in a shirt and the shit probably gonna look a little bit better maybe than corn at five fifty. So I mean I if they if 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 again, if the inflation story stays intact into the end of the year, I think you could see China step in if they continue to beat down these beans a little bit. Just all of a sudden one morning we wake up and they bought a shitload of beans and now now you know, I, I I think you could pop it for fifty, seventy five a buck maybe in the bean market pretty quick. And that's all I'm saying. It feels like it's tightening up. Um, you know, uh, you know how you know, always these continue to consolidate, consolidate down to the lower end of the range. I don't know if there's a lot of is there beans can we get beans down to eleven eighty? I I don't know. I mean sure I guess you can. Um it feels like at the low end of the range of corn is four ninety five. You know, where's beans? Eleven eighty, eleven fifty? I'm not sure. I, I don't know if we can go that far. So I only took a small bite. I'm planning on probably, you know, <laughs> you know the line. I mean, I'm going to cost average in again and maybe probably cost average in again and hopefully not puke out of them on the fourth the fourth break here. So, I, you know, I'm just starting to buy right now. Uh, and the only reasons I'm buying is because I think the funds seem to be moving their turrets. And if this inflation story hangs in there and catches some more tailwind, I, I, I think they could load up a little bit more in the ag sector and the commodity space. So that's kind of my play as we go into the end of four. I'm looking to the time frame for that to go is probably end of fourth quarter, first of uh, 2021. So, I mean, that's my thought. Yeah. So, well, I we'll see say that this inflation does. thing is, uh, is sure here, here to stay because uh, for a while anyway, I mean, this government policies that we have right now in place are just telling you that, uh, and I don't think they're going to change much, um, and they're on the direction that's going to cause more and more inflation. And what reason why I just popped in here, Kevin, on this is I wanted to say about new crop uh, fertilizer and the cost of production yeah. for, for everything is going to go up. And uh, that's, that's a direct relation to all this inflation stuff. You know, I agree, Bob, and I, I'll be the first guy to admit I'm going to eat my own words with Joel Ross and Andy when I said I was with the Fed early on. I said, I think this shit's going to be transitory, I think. But when you start talking years, I mean, you can't really use the word transitory. It's like, shit, I mean, I think we're going to be higher in housing costs, transportation costs, a lot of the things that are out of whack for maybe two, three years. So, shit, I, it doesn't feel like that's real transitory when you start using the word years. Uh, and I think this second wave of COVID and the way a lot of these foreign countries handled that second wave of dump, I mean, it was crazy how they locked a lot of things. Just a lot of things got locked down. And so I'd taken some bearish positions even, you know, I had some bearish stock positions, or I should say stock hedges. Uh, you know, I'm bearish. I got some, I'm short some triple Qs and some other things just, because it feels like people aren't going to be able to get inventory. It feels like they're not able to get workers. Amazon continues to raise the wages. Walmart's raising wages. Every place we go, restaurants you can't get into because, you know, they don't have enough staff. Half of them are closed during the day and closed, you know, Monday through Wednesday, and they're only open on the weekends. And you can't tell me these people are going to continue to show that type of uh, growth uh, that we had seen just because I don't think they can get help. We've heard several places around here, Just it's funny, just people that own coffee shops and pizza joints, they're like, shit, we're going to have to raise the – okay, there was a donut shop. There's a famous donut shop in Kansas City. And they said, we got to raise the prices of donuts. We're sorry, 
folks. We, we appreciate your business for 50 years. We're going to have to raise the price of donuts quite a bit so we can hire people to get them to come to work here. So I'm with you. I, I think this is, I mean, I'm singing a little bit different tune here on this inflation uh, as, as we're seeing some of this energy take back off and some of these other things. So I don't know. I think we got to be a little heads up on this one. And like you guys said, the input costs are definitely getting catching a lot of guys by surprise. So, Andy, inflation. I I'm a I'm a believer in inflation and have been and can continue to yeah. be. I I just think that it's as you said it's going to take longer to resolve some of these issues. At the same time, we're going in the wrong direction on our on our energy policies. Uh, you know, we're we're, we're still touting and pushing for this three and a half trillion dollar social bill i call it and uh while i don't think that's going to pass uh, in, in in that form but it's going to be something and um you know at some point you know you, you just can't keep adding to these deficits without uh having real inflation kick in and and if you can't solve the energy crisis you can't solve the transportation crisis you know just look at cars and yeah, you uh, you know the used car market and everything else. Every sign I see out there just points to more inflation. And I get long term that you know technology is deflationary, but but you know we're 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 not there yet. And and then that that is that isn't the focus. And I think you know I, I scratch my head and other parts of my anatomy at the same time when I look at these uh, these metal markets. And then Mark, I know you're kind of a metal trader too, but I I. Uh, you know, I, I, I really can't really, uh, you know, solve for X when I look at, you know, gold prices and silver prices plummeting at the same time. Uh, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of these inflationary uh, factors going on around the world, and it kind of is, you know, sits there and uh, defies what I consider to be um, economic logic, although the definition of economic logic uh, seems to have uh, changed dramatically from over the last uh, 10, 20 years. Mark, what do you think about the, uh, about the metal markets? I, I'm, as you say, kind of befuddled as why the gold and silver um, haven't taken off. I mean, you've got, like, silver is like the worst performing commodity this year, and you've got these um, situations where they just keep printing money. Uh, the velocity of money is really low, and that kind of thing, which keeps uh, keeps the excitement level down. Um, but I agree with you on the inflation. We got short-term transitory inflation caused by you can't get workers, caused by the $300 a week or month payments, caused by uh, pipeline disruptions. But then you have long-term inflation caused by the the growth of M2. You know the growth of money supply. Um, so um, I've been long a lot of mining stocks, and it hasn't been pleasant. I've been fortunate that I was long also uranium stocks and oil stocks and uh, a nice little rare earth company that's out of Australia. And they've, you know, they in copper um, in a company called Ivanhoe. And they've, they've, you know, they've kept me from taking a beating this year. But I, um, I, you know, I'm with you, Andy. I just, uh, I'm just uh, hanging in, waiting for that to, that to kick in in terms of the metals. And I think that, uh, Kevin made some good points about how the uh, uh, funds are just about even in beans. I mean, a lot of buying power there and food inflation. Everybody's look, talking about food inflation. It's becoming a story. And in addition to that, 
you've got like the Goldman Sachs and all the other commodity ETFs, which are going to be rebalancing soon. Um, they were carrying Goldman Sachs less than 50% were weighted towards energy at the first of the year. Now they're pushing 60%. They're going to have to sell a boatload of natural gas and crude oil, and they'll be buying some grains, and they'll be buying industrial metals, and they'll be buying some eggs, and they'll be buying precious metals. So the rebalancing um, alone is something that um, is looming in the future here as well when you bring, a, when you bring that up. Good point. Good points. Yep. Hey, Andy, are we sure, you know, I, I, I still argue with you, like when I argued with you and Hootie about the silver and gold. I, I mean, I used to buy a lot of silver 10, 15 years ago, and then oh, I started trading cryptos and, and cryptocurrency space. And You know, the last SALT, con- okay, SALT conference went down in New York uh, mid-September. It was like one of the first big financial conferences to come online. Carter asked me to go up and speak at that uh, that one he was having in Brooklyn, and that's when all the folks right. were going to be there. So at the SALT conference, I was talking to a couple of traders, and they were like, Gosh, damn, they're like, I didn't know I was going to a crypto conference. This is the whole damn thing. I mean, every fun guy there wanted to talk about and hear more about crypto and different things with crypto. But I just still worry in silver and gold that we haven't lost just shitloads of money flow to the crypto market. So when people are getting, you know, when you, people are going to make inflationary hedges, they're going to make bets on, you know, whatever it may be. The government's going to fall apart. We're going to get uh, credit rating reduced. Everyone used to flow into gold and silver. I mean, silver's reacting like uh, it's an industrial metal uh, used in uh, computers and uh, hospital equipment. You know, everything that, you know, chips, shortage, and everything else, so you're not putting out any. And it feels like silver's trading like it's a industrial metal rather than an inflationary hedge. And I just wonder how much of that money flow we've really lost to the crypto space. And I think it's pretty sizable. I mean, it sure feels like it to me. Well, what's in the crypto space now? A trillion dollars, give or take? I uh, think maybe. What is that, isn't it? I don't know. I guess last, well, it changes by the hour. But yeah. um, you know what? I, I come back to the same fear or argument. I don't know, even know if I call it an uh, argument, but a fear that crypto is only as good as the government's let it be. And... Uh, you know, China says, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna shut it down here." And you know, you ever get to the point where you start saying that kind of stuff, shit, in the U.S. or in other developed countries? Uh, you know, I, I just I, I fear for its value being uh, whatever it is, kind of like tulips were back in the day, to or uh, nothing. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, governments are going to come out with their own cryptocurrencies, with their own electronic currencies. Um, but, but, you know, I, I don't think I'm either young enough or smart enough to really have the true conviction that, uh, you know, you can, uh, it can be, you know, dust on any given day. And, uh, that, that's my fear of it now. I'm sure that's just, you know, as you always, Kevin, say there are young, uh, bulls and, uh, uh, but no old bulls and, uh, they're young bulls and old bears, but they're no old bear bulls. So um, I kind of feel that maybe I, I just am a little 
getting a little too conservative to uh, want to uh, jump into that 4A. But uh, I hear your arguments. I, I don't know. Bob, Mark, chime in. What are your thoughts in the uh, crypto world and the impact of that on, uh, on the precious metals and other traditional inflationary hedges? Well, I personally agree with both of you. I think the crypto has taken a lot of money away from the you know traditional inflation hedges of gold and silver. Um, and I also I made it I made it pretty good running crypto earlier. Um, I got out of it. I did good. Got out near the high, but now it's going up and it's up there again and all that after it wouldn't go lower. But I'm not going to buy it again. Um, I'm just concerned that the government right now, our government, all governments are very interested in control. And I don't know that they feel like they can control the cryptos enough to continue to allow them to exist. So I, I don't, my kids are in it. I hope they make a lot of money. Um, but I'm, I made my money in it and I'm not going to go back in personally right now. Um, so what do you think, Bob? Uh, well, I think that cryptos are a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> um, but uh, and I've never invested in them, so when you're talking to a guy who doesn't, I, I don't care, and I don't, I don't know. It just seems like it's not real money to me. But I agree with your concept. It's taken away from the gold and the silver hedge. Uh, so I, I do agree with that. So... Yep. <laughs> I just don't know anything else about them that I really like, so I just don't do it. I hear that. I, I would I would concur. I think that's a lot of our our customers <coughs> and clients are very much in the same uh you know, same opinion. So I, I, I it's definitely tricky. I I don't know. I sit there, Mark, and I argue, I used to argue the same thing you were saying about the government with it, but I'm like, most of these funds and guys I've talked to that are a lot younger than me and that are kind of in somewhat in Washington, I, they feel like the government likes it. They think the government is going to, once they can fully get their hands around, I mean, it's, it's certainly going to allow the government to track things better and uh, track every movement you make with your money uh, through these wallets yep. and crypto wallets and i'm with bob all this crazy shit i don't even know anything about and uh it seems like every time the government gets more goosey just like you're saying mark china coming out saying they're going to ban it that's like stokes the flame and like it, it brings people puts more money into the crypto space because i i think they're i don't know whether these people are i feel like they're all against the government and the government's like four i don't know i just i'm sitting there with you guys it's it seems nuts to me but it's definitely created a massive amount of wealth for some people that i don't even know you know i mean i had kids in my office made you know a million dollars trading dogecoin and shit like that i don't even know what the hell it is and uh so i i don't know it's crazy but it seems like maybe the government's going to get a shitload of tax money out of it i i i don't know I guess we're all, like Andy says, old bears, <laughs> young bulls and old bears in this space. So it's definitely uh, going to be different as we move forward for sure. So what do we think on wheat? We haven't talked anything about wheat. Anybody uh, long, any, short, any? We don't have carp on. Carp. Well, well I, yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm going to add something to that because, I, I, as you said earlier, um, Kevin, that you got you got 
a little bit of beans on you, not much, but you're kind of thinking maybe it's okay. Well, I had this great I had this great idea that has not made me money, but I had a great idea about 12, about 15, 20, 25, 30 hours ago that wheat was up 40 cents and beans are down 50 cents, and I'm thinking, yeah, that wheat wheat bean spreads under five bucks. Um, so I went ahead and bought a little bit of wheat. And Sold a little bit, um, bought a little bit of beans. I'm sorry, and sold a little bit of wheat. And I'm thinking, uh, I'm not too smart on that right now. But overall, uh, it should be bearish on beans because of the report. I grant it, grant everybody that. But I don't quite understand why it's so bullish on on wheat. So I stepped into it a little bit too early. But for me, you know, wheat's a weed. We're going to grow it. We certainly have enough soft wheat, and Mark, you probably know about soft wheat stuff too, but we certainly have enough soft wheat. How much the hard wheat can really do anything, uh, I I really don't know. Um, and, of course, the spring wheat thing is a little bit iffy. Uh, did we did we really just ruin the crop up there? Or did it come out in September, and late August and September, and really do, do itself good like it did, you know, 15 years ago when, when September made the entire Canadian crop one year? Um, I don't know. Wheat just seems to be a little overpriced to me right now. Mark, Andy, well, you guys trade. I, like I like that spread. Beans are two bucks off their highs, and wheat's thirty cents off its highs. So, you know, just from a price perspective, and 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 the large geographic <laughs> area globally that you can grow it anywhere, it is a weed, as you said, Bob. Um, I just always have had a hard time uh, getting my bull weed hat on, and I know there's never been a bigger bull I'm aware of on planet Earth than uh, Carp and, uh, and and Kevin Kevin Van Trump. So Kevin, uh, you know, what you you, you certainly got to be loving this. No, I'm not. I'm out. I've been on the sideline for a while. Probably list. I you know, I had sold some wheat. We sold out of wheat. I damn near lucked out right close to the very high off that report and. Uh, you know, a couple months back, and we'd sold out of all of our wheat, all of our new crop wheat. I had sold out of my uh, spec positions. Shit, I was waiting for, uh, I thought we'd get a substantial pullback. We got a decent pullback, but then, hell, we rallied right back up. And I'm like, Bob, I I hear everyone talking. I, and like you said, Andy, I'm notoriously pretty bullish wheat. I I can't get my head there right now. I I like what Bob said. I like that spread. Uh, I thought of that spread idea. Maybe bullish little beans against some wheat. And I, I'm with I'm with Bob. I I don't know. I think everyone's going to plant the shit out of wheat next year. In my opinion, I think you're going to see a, a lot more wheat because of the insurance premiums that were uh, the insurance guarantees that are in place. I mean, I don't know if the wheat gets uh, gets harvested or not. I don't know if some of the fields get abandoned. But I think you're going to see more beans with second uh, wheat followed by second crop beans. Because the input prices are high, some guys hit that out of the parks yep. this year, uh, up there in Illinois, some parts of Illinois and up into some other areas out east. So I think you see more wheat acres than they're tossing into the equation here. I think we've had some shitty weather globally for wheat, and I, I don't know if that, I don't know if you can get another back to back of that. And I feel like you got to have a really a one hell of a lot of demand come down the pipe here in the headlines to keep prices at this elevation. I mean, we've got to continue to attract new buyers and more money flow into the wheat market. I don't know how the hell you do it without a lot of a lot more demand coming here to the US. And I know there's several you know, there's several people inside the trade that are really bullish wheat still and think it could really run, but I, I don't know. I mean 
No, I, I don't. Hey, I want I want to toss one out too before we skip it and I forget. I had about ten people call me last week, like, "Hey, oats at six bucks." I mean, you got to short it. You got to get short these oats at six bucks. And I'm like, "Gosh, damn!" I looked at the volume and I'm just like, "I can't. I just don't even want to get stuck into son of a bitch trading it out." For what do you guys think of this oat thing? Anybody watching it? I hadn't traded oats in a long time. Yeah, oat basis is very firm. Um, there's, uh, there's limited amounts of oats available in Swedish, Finland, anywhere they're about. Last I saw more than 280, 280 euros a ton, um, offered. You couldn't get a full cargo anywhere. Um, they grow more oats than they use in Argentina, except for, for feed. They don't want to sell any. I don't know. I don't want to get short oats there. Um. There'll be a time once that situation is resolved, they'll fall, you know, they'll fall dollars. And, you know, you want to catch that. It'd be like the lumber market. Um, That's how thin it is. You you just don't stand in front of it until it turns and then don't worry. It'll go farther than you think. I'm that's what I, 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 I don't trade oats either. So I shouldn't even be talking, but I have looked around the world to see if there were any oats around and uh, I'm not a note broker, but I can't find them. Yeah. Well, who's buying them? <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're done using horses in war. Um, I can no, Daddy. Daddy. One. Daddy. All these young kids want all this new healthy shit and this healthier huh. oat milk and yeah, oat milk. Healthy oats, Daddy. Healthy oats. <laughs> it's crazy. That's why I said I'm not going to step in front of it either, Mark. I'm like, shit. If you got this heavy a demand. And you have not quite a bit of production out up in through Canada and some of these other places, and these, and these young millennials in these uh, food companies are wanting to just buy the hell out of it. I'm like, I don't, oats can be dangerous. I'm like, I'm not going to step in front of it right here. So That's pretty inelastic in demand. You know, I don't know what oat belt goes for, but, you know, yeah. they sell it at Whole Foods. Uh, there's people that are shopping there. They can afford it, you know? Yeah, I hear you. I, I, I would agree. I agree with Mark that when it's over, it's going to be over. Oh yeah, like you can, if you catch like that short. Yeah, yeah. It's like spring wheat five years ago, whenever you know it was up to what nine bucks almost or something, eleven dollars, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, twenty five, thirty days later, it was trading half the price it was before. No buyers. Uh, you know, it's and, and oats are a, a, a kind of a niche thing. You know, it's it's not like uh, hell, Andy. It's almost like rice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. Andy, speaking of which, what are we doing here? Are we bullish rice right now or are we waiting for more of a break? I think waiting for a little more break. I mean we got up to that uh um uh, you know, we got up to that thirteen ninety area, which is like six bucks a bushel equivalent, and field yields have been pretty darn good. Uh milling yields not so much, but that doesn't really catch the farmer's attention. Uh funds, you know, that they're up there close to two thousand long with about 7,800 total open interest. Um, so that's a, that's a big uh, percent of open interest uh, length out there. And uh, so I, I kind of think that they, you know, they were the ones that ran us up there and the selling was all, you know, farmers selling as we're getting in the throes of harvest. Um, I kind of looked for a pullback here, maybe back to the uh, 1320 to 1330 area. Um, you know, we got up to 14 bucks and, uh, and then I think it's worth owning because 
you know, this is, in my opinion, a demand market that's going to be with us for a while. I mean, Brazil should not be importing at this right now and has been for the last several months, and people are scratching their head as to understand why. But the fact of the matter is, with $8 corn down in Brazil, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, corn's, uh, corn's about 15 cents a pound, and uh, rice is about 13 cents a pound, so... You know, while they've never done it before, I, I got to believe down in Rio Grande do Sul and places like that, they're actually literally feeding uh, rice to, uh, to to cattle. And uh, so, you know, I, I think that you know input costs. And you talk about high input costs. Well, there are probably no higher input costs out there than rice. And South America's got that to contend with, and everything's priced in dollars in those inputs as opposed to um, you know. So that, that's expensive money right now for them. And, um, you know, with the ocean freight spreads as they are, you know, we have uh, in, in most yep. of the Caribbean countries a $20 a ton advantage over South America. And uh, I don't see South America being uh, having any excess uh, export production. And, you know, we never import anything from the other parts of the world. It just doesn't it, – it's, it's not part of the, uh, the North and South American diets. Um, to get that sticky uh, Taiwanese or what other kind of rice you can get. So really, 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 I, I think we're going to have an explosive market. Um, I think that they're still overstating demand by quite a bit. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, understating demand by quite a bit um, because of they're not they're not taking into account that we've already sold five million hundredweight more than we than they had in there to um, to, to Iraq. And uh, Haiti is going to be back online. They weren't around last year either. So I think we're going to see a big, big move. But I think everything happens in its own time. And so I think that we got probably another break on our hands right now. The export to business is kind of like, close your eyes, what do you see? Nothing with the ocean freight, as Mark was pointing out, at 1,000% and higher down in the Delta. Um, so that's kind of shut things off for now. But I think we're going to have a big demand market. And we're going to see 18 to $20 rice come uh, april May. damn that's 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 promising for sure yeah are you, yeah. Are you still and do you still hold you in any bullish corn position or what do you think on corn um i'm on corn and uh um, i went in the report long i'm still long um and i kind of would like to see a break i i don't want to get crazy because you know harvest is in our face and and uh you know with all the transportation problems and everything else whether they move corn and hold beans or whatever that whatever that might be it's still um but i'm long corn and uh um i'm playing the front end of it because i'd rather be bull spread than bear spread but you know from a flat price perspective i'll stay i'll keep my lungs up up front and uh I when I add on breaks because uh, I don't have a huge position, but I have a a position and uh, look to add on on uh, any uh, weakness we get from here with open interest pretty well flattened out. Yeah, yeah. Mark Bob, how about farmers that got uh, you know just harvesting some corn here? You think we're gonna should they be selling hair? You think they got a chance to see some uh, higher prices as we move forward? Mark. Well, um, I don't, I don't see, I don't see them moving that much really. Right at the minute, the inverse is pretty much gone. They hit, were forced with, they hit, were faced with that inverse for a long time, um, and now they've got every nook and cranny empty. 
Um, I, I don't, I don't, I think we may see a little harvest pressure just because the harvest is coming off so fast and so dry. Um, you know, I, I don't have any position in corn, uh, but like you guys, I'm bullish it. I'm waiting for the break. Um, and, uh, beans, I'm going to let them prove to me, um, that the situation has changed. I'm not bullish beans here. And, uh, I got friends who know wheat. I've actually heard some two different people tell me that wheat's, uh, <laughs> Bob's not going to like this and I'm not trading it and I don't know that I believe it, but they say wheat's going to, uh, uh, catch up with beans here soon. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I don't like that. Two, 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 uh, two people that I have respect for have told me that. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to short wheat for a while after after having them tell me that. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. What do you think, Bob? You think well, we think we got a chance to run corn higher into uh, into the new year? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I. And a little bit friendly towards corn, just because the, the you, you saw what happened last year. We we're inverted all the time. The cash is always over the delivery, and I don't think these numbers that we have in front of us right now that change that very much. And and I I I think this inflation thing is gonna. You're always going to have the question: Well, how much are we going to plant next year? I mean, what's going to be the cost of fertilizer? What's our input? You know, um, so I I guess bottom line not really bearish on corn now not i'm not saying that i'm bullish either right now but i'd rather be long corn than something else uh, out there if, if you uh, put a gun to my head it would probably be corn um but so i don't know I, what's your I favorite what's probably to be full spread yeah let's talk what's uh what's your favorite trader position right now we'll kind of wrap it up shit we've been going about now what's uh what do you got bob what's your favorite Bull spread corn. Bull I mean, spread corn. Add, add to it, add to it when it widens out a little bit, if you get a little uh, widening out from the harvest. And then just, uh, you know, roll it forward, see how you're doing, monitor it a little bit. But uh, that's the one I like the most. Perfect. How about you, Mark? Um, I'm going to be watching for oats to turn down, and we'll be watching for silver to turn up. Um, but uh, as far as the grains go, um, I'm bearish the bean spreads for the time being. I'm not a long-term guy. I don't hang around very long. Um, I mean, if it starts working, then I hang around a lot. But, you know, I could see myself easily um, changing that opinion if a little demand shows up. And I, I do want to see a break in, in corn. I'd like to see the corn spreads widen out, um, see us get solidly above delivery, wait till we're within um, earshot of delivery period, and look at ball spreading. Yeah. Long silver, short oats. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not volatile at all. You know, that's a very safe trade. <laughs> <laughs> Put your grandma on that one. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how about you, Andy? What are you thinking? Oh, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm long silver and gold uh, a little bit. Um, should be buying more, but. You know, I, I'm not. Um, I am on some rice because I do think where it's eventually going, I don't want to not have something on and, uh, you know, lose my, my courage. So, uh, but looking certainly, uh, I've taken a lot off and uh, looking to add on a 30, 40 cent break. And that happens quick in that commodity. 
Um, I'm, as I said before, I'm long some corn. Um, I'm adding more bullish than bearish to spreads, but I'm not trading them at the moment. And hope we do see a little more pullback to uh, add to that corn position, because uh, I kind of agree with uh, with everyone. Uh, Bob uh, articulated that you know when we start looking at input costs and everything else, uh, and here and in South America and South American weather, you know we got a lot of cards you have to play, Kevin, in your deck, as you are kind to refer to. Um, so I, I'd rather be long than short because I see more more uh, face cards in the deck than uh, than are on the table. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, you know, I, I got a, like I said, a little bit of corn, a little bit of beans on, going to try to add on the brakes, uh, similar to what you guys are talking about. Mark's rooting against me a little bit, but, hey, that's okay. Uh, and I know Andy and I, hey, we got to, uh, Andy and I got a mutual investment we're cheering for. Benson Hill came out last week, and uh, the stock came out in ipo so B. Hill is the stock symbol on the New York Stock Exchange show. Start trading. I, I see some big. I see some big, big things. I'm gonna. I'm gonna continue to cost average in if we get some breaks uh, or some breaks in the action here. And probably add more to that position. And probably my biggest position right now that I've been adding to building over a while. And this one, I think some people. I'm buying the shit out of the back end of the natural gas market. So I'm like October of next year. You know, it's trading hell below four, you know 380s probably right now. But I've been adding to that position. The only reason I say that. Guys that want to hedge input costs are looking to hedge input costs, and I remember Andy bringing it up. You know, I was telling people to hedge this natural gas shit six months ago. We were talking, Andy. I remember telling people to hedge. You sure were. Gas, you were yelling loud about, and loud in yeah, your just, uh, letter every day. It's about exposure on that front. Now you can pick up. You can buy the back end in that gas for I don't know. Like I said, in the 380s, and I. Even if they break the front end, a lot of people are talking, you know, they're probably going to, if they broke it hard, I mean, they're probably going to break it down that three, 350 range just because everything's out of, just everything's dislocated and, and you're not seeing a lot of new exploration and you're going to keep the pressure on, obviously. I just tell you now, most, most of the NAGAS traders I know, if we get a shitty winter in Europe, I mean, that gas going to take off and go like crazy. And, I mean, we're nowhere near close to where this thing could go to. I mean, it could explode on us. And right now you got a lot of things out of position. And if they have to switch that around with that liquefied natural gas or some of that CNG, you could even catch more things out of position. That's why I'm saying if you if you need and you're on farm looking to hedge fertilizer or other things of that nature or you're afraid you're going to have a lot of drying expenses or dry down corn next year or things like that, toss on some heads or, or get long to back into that natural gas market. Uh, like I said, I think risk to reward, I kind of like it just because if this inflation story has some teeth and plays out, if you think about it, next year would be when people are really be in panic mode, really shit in their pants going into the winter. Uh, so I, that's just one I've kind of been keeping a closer eye on and adding to on the brakes and things like that. And they, yeah. they discount the shit out of the margin in that back end of uh, net gas, too. So it isn't that much to, to play around with. So those are mine, but, yeah. Hey, it's been a great call. Andy, got anything? Or guys got anything? God damn it. What time does the market open? I need to buy some of that tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Uh, go get me some rice and some natural gas. <laughs> and uh, sell the oats. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, oh, great call. 
I, I love it. Yeah, Appreciate very good, it. guys. It's a, it's a real pleasure to have you on. Uh, fresh perspectives are always appreciated. And, uh, you know, um, sage uh, opinions, um, it's, it's, a, it's a real treat. Thank you very much. Thanks for having Thank us. You. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thank you. I'll see you guys bye-bye. soon, All hopefully. Right. All right, see you. All right, bye. All right, bye-bye. bye-bye.